Welcome to Succession Stories. I'm Lori Barkman. As an exit value planning and M&A advisor, I call myself the business transition Sherpa. This podcast guides entrepreneurs from transition to transaction, from building value in your business to letting go. What do I do when I'm not hosting a podcast? I work with owners to maximize business value with my firm, small.big. And as a certified mergers and acquisitions advisor with Stony Hill, I guide you through the complex process of selling your company. Tune into Succession Stories for weekly insights to reward your hard work and avoid succession regrets. Hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and sign up for our newsletter at successionstories.com. Here's to your success. Is this the year to sell your company? Don't leave your exit to chance. Stony Hill Advisors works with entrepreneurs like you to get ready for what may be the biggest transaction of your life. Learn what your business is worth by visiting stonyhilladvisors.com slash podcast. In family businesses, there was almost always a desire to build a legacy from one generation of ownership to the next, but desire is not enough. Many succession derailers can get in our way to prepare the different pieces of the succession puzzle. This week, Dina Chachanov joins me to share her 30 plus years as a therapist, management consultant, and family enterprise advisor, and discuss her new book, Homework, How to Be a Leader in the Boardroom and the Living Room. I appreciated the case study about retirement reluctant brothers and how they managed through the challenges of letting go of one identity and moving forward in their lives. Enjoy my conversation about addressing the emotional side of succession and legacy building with Dina Chachanov. Dina Chachanov, welcome to Succession Stories. I'm so excited to talk to you today. We got connected because of your new book, and I look forward to speaking with you about that. Thematically, it's about family enterprise, leadership, and legacy. And it fits really well with this show, which at its core is about transitions, legacy, change, and all of these things are part of leadership. And it's a wonderful theme of your book. So welcome. Lori, I'm so pleased to be here. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. Tell us about your new book, Homework. What inspired you to write it? Well, I listen for a living. That's my job. It's really the same as all the clients that come to see me, which is that we both pay 100% attention to them. And for the past three decades, I've been listening and practicing in three professional fields. One as a family therapist, the second as a management consultant with a focus on organizational development, and the third as a family enterprise advisor. And all of those areas of practice require a systems lens of thinking. So I think about a family, of course, as a system of interrelated parts, where all the relationships change and shift depending on what's going on in the family dynamic. And I think of organizations as also a living system of people that are there to contribute to the success or failure of the business. And then when I started working as a family business advisor, it was just amazing to me to look through this world through the lens of a system where family businesses are the literal marriage of family and business coming together that are separate, 
but connected systems where the peaks and valleys of the emotional, the operational, the aspirational, and the strategic elements of this very complex system of relationships come together. And that's why I decided, well, there's so many crossovers and interlap overlapping pieces in these three areas of work based on my systems practice. Maybe I have some stories to share with potential readers on how we can be whole and integrated in our leadership, regardless of the domain we live in, and show up as whole, no matter where we work and how we live. Yeah, your 30 years of, of experience, and, uh, and for anyone watching on YouTube, yeah. I am holding up the, the book called Homework. And it's a great book, and I do encourage folks to take a look at it. Uh, I, of course, if you've heard me say this in some other episodes when authors have gone, I've always had the strange tendency to my life to flip to the end. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I, read, I read the chapters and then I go to the end. And with your book, fantastically, one of the last chapters is about legacy. And I think for today's discussion, there's quite a bit of golden nuggets in that chapter mm -hmm. and also some really helpful homework that you give people considerations of what to work on. So if we begin with the end in mind, which I think is really, again, the story here is you're walking people through a dynamic of leadership where they might be the founder and they may have family working with them in the business, or they might be a multi-generational company. But either way, we're talking about entrepreneurs, we're talking about business owners, we're talking about leaders, and lots of people listening can relate to any one of those scenarios. And the other inspiration I think you, you mentioned to me in writing your book is the question of legacy, right? A lot of people want to feel like they matter. Right. And many founders are so intertwined with their business because their identity becomes so, so tied in. And certainly in a family business, this concept of legacy is so important because they have an obligation right. to pass the business from one generation to the next, but they can't just wish it to happen. They have to make it happen. Part of your book is about leadership transition and implementing some formal processes around that. And you can't just, again, you can't just wish it to happen. You have to make it happen. When you've worked with business leaders and their thinking, whether they're in a emergency situation, hopefully that doesn't happen, but maybe they're starting to think about it and prepare people are resistant. Why don't people focus on this and be proactive with it? Well, as every family enterprise advisor has said, including myself, family businesses have only three problems, succession, succession, and succession. And so here are what I've learned to be the five most common succession derailers, why it's so hard to do this. The first is that no one is both interested and quali or qualified. So this is when I hear owners say things like, the kids are saying, I don't know how I'm ever going to get along with my sister in this business. If she stays, then I'm out. Or my parents are never going to retire. What kind of a future does this leave for me? Or why should I participate in this business if I'm never going to own any stock in it? So even if kids, next generation kids are qualified, for these family dynamic reasons, they might not be interested. So that's one derailer. The second is the poor choice of leader or if the leadership model is flawed. So here's an example of a flawed leadership model. 
all the owners, all the CEOs must be firstborn sons. What if, if there's a fabulous secondborn daughter who's really interested, qualified, and motivated? It's not part of the leadership model. Another thing that I hear a lot is, I gave him the title because if I didn't, he would quit. So that's like hostage succession planning. <laughs> I haven't heard that term before. That, that's funny. I made it up. Um, the third derailer that we think about um, and notice is poor selection and grooming of new owners. So this is when the owner says, okay, it's sink or swim time, so prove yourself. Or when I suggest that owners need to develop their successors. And they say, listen, she doesn't need any fancy training. She grew up in the business. She knows it all. So a successor is named, but left high and dry without the tools, the skills, the competencies, and the critical information to do the job effectively. Another derailer is leaders who don't let go of power in a timely way. And this is this is epidemic in terms of succession planning and family enterprises. When the guy says, or the, the woman owner says to me, it's impossible for me to just let go of the company I've spent my entire life building. And besides, my kids aren't ready to take over anyway. And another uh, final derailer is the business is not prepared for the future because the owner says, I don't want to invest in the technology that everybody says I need to, or our recruitment process, our logistics process, our manufacturing process, that's worked for us perfectly well for the last 40, 50 years. Why do we have to change it now? So there's these resistors and these you know, defensive behaviors around like, I don't want to change. And I think the bottom line is that well, most family business leaders don't prepare anyone to properly succeed them. And usually it's because they don't think anyone can. So there's this air of indispensability that somehow nobody can step into their shoes. And what I found is when leadership teams do implement a succession plan, they often disagree on what leadership potential actually is. Like, what is it? and who has it. So there's not a deliberate, focused, objective way of defining the competencies, the skills, the values, and the behaviors of the future leaders. And the last thing I'll say to this piece of why don't people do it, finally, for family businesses who are deeply invested in their businesses and their families, the whole succession process is very complex and precarious. I call it tender. Like simply put, it's close to impossible to remain objective when considering a child's future capacity to assume their own role as taking over their job. A child, it could be a son, a daughter, a niece, a nephew, a, grand, a grandchild, a lot of family business owners are quite reluctant to bring in objective advisors, objective tools, performance metrics, coaches and mentors for the rising generation members so that they can help to develop them. And it's not done with only a subjective family perspective. Gotcha. gotcha. It's hard. It's it really hard. hard. Yeah, it's so complex. And, and so many of us can probably relate because either we've worked in a family business as an outside hire or maybe we are part of that family dynamic and you're never away from it. You, you come home and your dinner table, it's, it's always around you. The rationalizations, the resistance rationalizations that you mentioned are, are real. 
and they are impacting people in their ability to see the future, which will then impact the business value. So tying it back to the big why, we want to make our businesses sustainable, either for the next generation or getting it ready for its transition or whatever the company transition is going to be, if it's sale to a third party. That's right. And if we're not innovating, we're not looking forward to the future generation as leaders, we're actually going to be degrading the value of the business, which will then in turn create a problem for future generations. So the good work of thinking about this proactively is about creating business value. And so that's, that's right. I think, a part of the, the big other reason, the big why, besides the personal legacy, you know, there's mm -hmm. the business legacy and the future wealth for future generations. Yeah. So if a founder or an entrepreneur, multi-gen, next-gen is, is willing to do this work, we talked about some of the rewards here. What are some of the benefits that you've seen from a more personal, emotional standpoint also? Well, when owners invest the discipline, the money, and the time to develop a formal succession process, there are benefits that I've seen. Well, it identifies a strong bench of possible successors who are more engaged, more driven to learn and to improve their leadership skills. So it prunes the tree already by starting to identify those folks that are really into it. As you said, it enhances the value of the company. By retaining the most talented leaders, you get better business. It offers a fresh outlook on safe and even staid strategies. And it can add a transformative angle on doing things differently when you bring in fresh perspectives and new blood. The younger people, they have more available information. They're more tech savvy. It really does help transform the organization. And it can create clarity for everyone. You know, we are not all that comfortable with ambiguity and uncertainty. I think we've learned that in the last couple of years, how hard it is to not know things. And when an owner decides who's going to assume leadership and makes that public and gets really clear on a plan, it really does lessen the anxiety for the family members who are sitting on tenterhooks, not knowing who's going to be taking over for dad or who's going to be taking over for granddad or who's going to be taking over for mom. So that clarity is really important for the psychological health of the family. It can unite family members and strengthen their bonds. Um, you know, parents can become devoted mentors and next generation devoted dedicated successors. And I have seen lovely bonding experiences between the generations when there is this plan in place. And most importantly, as you say, Lori, it fosters legacy for the business and a secure financial future for the family. So I think there are many benefits. Who is your most important customer? The person who buys your business. Stonyhill Advisors works with owners to maximize the value when you're ready to sell. Get started today with a business valuation by visiting stonyhilladvisors.com slash podcast. There's probably a lot of stories you could tell and you would never reveal, you know, who the specific client is. So perhaps there's an amalgamation of stories that are in the book. I'd love to hear some of that now because we've talked a lot about some of the processes and some of the things that companies should be thinking about. How do we literally get over some of these challenges? And is there a particular case study that you could share with us? Yeah. 
Well, where it gets real and the effectiveness of any succession plan gets tested is in preparing the current leader to transition out of the business. And if this isn't done well with extraordinary amounts of respect, patience, discipline, and compassion, then the whole succession adventure can easily descend into absolute chaos. And in my book, I tell the story of three brothers who uh, were second gen owners of a very large and successful agricultural business. And they were in their 70s, mid 70s, and they had started um, initially with a family farm when they were kids working for their for their mom and dad. And they grew it and grew it and they knew that it was time to leave. The third generation kids who were, by the way, all in their 50s, were very ready and able to take on full operations and ownership of the business. But the brothers were having a very difficult time moving forward with the plan. So there's a lot of stutter stepping of rationalizations and resistance. And they were struggling tremendously with the big question, which is, who will I be if I leave? So they said things like um, reti retirement will be the death of me or the business will fall apart without us or the kids won't need us around anymore. And my favorite is our wives won't want us around all the time. And so it was a it's I think it's critical for any business owner to understand that they're going to be dealing with change and transition and that they are not the same thing at all. So for these brothers, I called them the retirement reluctant brothers. And they were so lovely and connected and close. They were, they were best friends and they were also brothers and business partners. So for them, um, I needed to help them understand that change is an event. It's external, it's a situation that occurs. They stop being in charge, they move out of their office, there's a party you know, that kind of thing, the kids take over, and it's outcome focused, that's change. But transition is not that it is an internal process, like an experience, a gradual psychological, emotional, and even spiritual reorientation inside each brother as they tried to adapt to the change. So with change, the shift starts in the head. And it is usually quite quick. But with transition, it starts in the heart. And it can take a while before people adjust and accept fully to their new identity. And so with the brothers, I took them through a process of moving through three phases that I want to give a shout out to William Bridges, who is for me the guru of transition management. And I learned from him many years ago. And um, his theories and practices have been really helpful to me when I've been working with family business owners who are transitioning. So the first phase is endings. And that's the period of loss, letting go, getting closure, saying goodbye. The second phase is the neutral zone. And that's sort of like that in-between time of the desert or the wilderness. It can be chaotic. It can be exciting. It's like an opportunity and it's a time of creativity. And the third phase is called the new beginning, which is really about renewal. And what I did when I, in my work with the brothers individually and as a group is help them understand that it's a process that everyone goes through gradually and um, at different speeds and comfort level. 
And so we put into practice, they put into practice through my um, support, different tools to help them get through the three phases. So can I give you some examples of-, of Yeah, please. So in the endings phase, it's really important to acknowledge and honor what you're leaving. That's why people have retirement parties or divorces or funerals. Um, and you need to find ways to compensate for the loss and for the loss of their leadership. So for example, we set up a process whereby each of the brothers became a coach, like a mentor to one of the leaders that were taking over based on their areas of um, expertise. And so they had each of the next gen leaders had a coach in one of the brothers. Um, and that was very helpful because it gave them a sense of purpose. It helped them understand that just because they were leaving being in charge, their intelligence and their history and their perspective were really honored. Um, you have to grieve for your losses, right? And one of the ways to do healthy grieving and to regulate one's emotions, especially in a time where people were quite agitated, is to use rituals or symbols to mark the ending. So what they did was they, um, they created a memory book and they took photos, articles, they were quite big in their community, photos, articles, um, any awards they won, and they brought in a photographer, took pictures of all of these mementos of time over the last 40, 50 years. And then they had the photographs that they put into a box that they themselves carved. They were into woodworking. So I said, great, why don't you create a box together? And they put it into a place of pride in the office forever. And they were getting clearer and clearer about how the kids were getting ready and they were ready and they didn't have to worry about their financial security. And the, so that was part of the endings phase. And then as they were sort of moving in and out between endings and the neutral zone, it's really important to use the time creatively because they, they didn't know. So one of the brothers wanted to become a great golfer. And, you know, you can't be a great golfer unless you take a lot of time to practice. Um, so he had more time, gradually more and more time learning how to be a great golfer. One of the other brothers joined a cycling club and started taking little cycling trips with his group. And one of the brothers decided he wanted to spend more time being a very present grandfather because he had spent most of the time not being present because he was at work all the time. And so he started doing childcare with his grandkids three days a week. And so that was them learning new skills to manage this in between who am I, what is my identity, but it was gradual. So it didn't feel like a cutoff. And then in the new beginning phase, which was renewal, I, I love the story about these guys. They were so, they were so engaged. They were so optimistic. It was really lovely. Um, they decided that they needed to become more involved in their community. They were quite respected in their community as business owners and leaders, but they wanted to take that and move it into a more active place. So they became volunteers and then they joined boards and then they had leadership on the boards. And after about a year and a half, two years, they thought, you know, we have a lot of wealth. What can we do to support our community with our wealth and they decided to create a family foundation and they didn't know about family foundations they knew about agriculture 
and property development. And so they decided to become students of philanthropy. So they embraced that. They went right into it. And they started their other, like the next career. It was like a renewal of their skills that they harnessed from running this business for so many years and then putting it into leading this foundation. And they're, they're still involved. They were still involved as their um, third gen leadership teams, mentors and coaches. And they did an amazing job. They needed to understand the psychological and emotional nature of transitions every business owner or CEO needs to feel secure in four areas in order for them to be able to do this work and transition their business from one generation to the next. They need personal financial security for them and their immediate, their spouse. They need family security, um, organizational business security, and psychological security. And so when they achieve comfort in these four areas, I think that implementing a succession planning process will work. It takes a lot of time. How much time end to end from when you started working with that client to when you all agreed that it was time to, to end that relationship? Was that five years? Was it less than that? It started with the conversations with the children saying, you've got to help us get our dads out of here. And then me identifying what it was that was getting in their way, the, the founders, the second gen in their way. So I'd say off and on, I would be called in for different um, engagements on this journey over about four years. Okay. That's what I would have guessed. Mm -hmm. And so many times it's age-based as opposed to stages of life when people are making these changes and transition decisions. There's another episode of Succession Stories with Jerry Kahn. I would encourage the audience to take a listen to it where this concept of it's not just how old you are, but it's at what stage in life you are and how do you really think about what you're interests are. And you, you really help them do that, Dina, which is, which is really a key to that knocking down those resistors that so many people may have of why they don't want to leave. And do you know, just from a flash forward, how is that business doing today? The business is great because the, the 50 year old next gens were ready. They had grown up in the business themselves. They were very entrepreneurial. They went for their own training and education. And they some of them left the business, worked other places. This is the best practice where you leave the family business, you work for other organizations, even another family business, and you come back with skills, training, and expertise that you can you can you harness from one situation and you can transfer into the other and they were a healthy family you know they had faith as a value family as a value and hard work so they were you know one of the most important elements of this process working i believe are um an understanding that we're all working for the same thing and the parents were so loving and accepting of their kids, very, very supportive. And they realized that this really wasn't about their children's ability to take over. It was their resistance to letting go of their identity 
um, that had been, you know, getting them out of bed every morning. And it was really my job to help them understand that we can have more than one identity at a time. And in my book, I talk about how when we show up as whole and integrated leaders, not feeling like we have to separate our work selves from our home selves, our personal from our professional, and that we are very connected in all elements of our life, that we don't just have a drawer where we open and it's our work, and another drawer, which is our family, and another drawer, which is our volunteer work, that we have qualities that move us throughout all the aspects of ourselves so that we can be congruent and psychologically stable. And that really was at the back of my mind as I was working with them. It's like, they're more than just a CEO, even though they think that was the only thing that they could ever be. Right. There's a lot of great quotes in the book, and I'm sure you have many to pick from, but if you were gonna choose one favorite quote to share, which one would it be? The one that has guided me in my entire professional life, which is attention is the rarest and truest form of generosity, which is a quote from Simone Weil. And why is that important to you? I really believe that most people don't get enough attention paid to them. And so for me, um, as somebody who enters into every relationship with what I like to call, it's a concept called therapeutic love, where you really appreciate and care for someone and accept them as who they are. I feel it's a real honor and a gift that I'm able to offer my full attention to my clients who are all leaders in their domains. So there's executives and there's team leaders, there's parents, there's presidents, there's partners in relationship. I feel that um, it's just such a such an honor to be able to be of service to them and pay attention in ways that maybe nobody else does and offer them a safe container in which they can grow and and maintain their leadership in healthy ways. That's beautiful. If people want to learn more about you, Dina, or learn about your book called Homework, how can they do that? Thanks, Lori. All they have to do is go to my website, www.dinacharchanov.com. And we'll put that in the show links as well. Dina, thank you so much for coming on Succession Stories and sharing your insights and wisdom with us. I really appreciate you. Lori, the pleasure was all mine. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. You can always catch Succession Stories on any of your favorite podcast players or on YouTube. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the show. And if you want to maximize the value of your business and plan for future transition, reach out to me for a complimentary assessment at meetlauriebarkman.com. Tune in next week for more insights from transition to transaction. Until then, here's to your success. My objective is for you to have a lucrative and successful succession. If you want to understand the value of your company today, that's a great place to start. The sooner you understand what creates value and what detracts from it, the more time you'll have to close the gap if there is one. Hundreds of business owners have taken my complimentary business assessment. As a first step, schedule a call with me by visiting meetlauriebarkman.com. That's meetlauriebarkman.com. Dot com.